Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of the modern architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. This show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, this is Tom Dioro. Thank you, Shay. For our guest today, please welcome Dennis Mulligan, engineer, general manager, and CEO of the Golden Gate Bridge, heralded as one of the top 10 construction achievements of the 20th century and declared one of the wonders of the modern world by the American Society of Civil Engineers. Find them more about the Golden Gate Bridge and Dennis at goldengate.org. That's goldengate.org. Hello, Dennis. We're excited to have you on The Modern Architect today. Thanks, Tom. It's wonderful to be here. We're we're honored. Believe me. Dennis, if you will, tell us how you became the general manager or CEO of the Golden Gate Bridge and how you came about being an engineer. And what it's like to be responsible for such a world-renowned and uh, iconic landmark. I know that's a kind of a lot of questions, but answer them however you like. Please. Thanks, Tom. There is a lot there. Um, <laughs> I have the pleasure and honor of working at the Golden Gate Bridge, and people ask me how did I get the job, and my answer is there's no substitute for luck and timing. <laughs> um, I'm an engineer by training. Growing up, I always enjoyed math. Uh, my dad was a carpenter. I worked as a carpenter for a while, so I like building things. So I became an engineer, and I worked for the state for uh, you know quite some time and lucked into bridges. I had the pleasure of working on the other toll bridges here in the Bay Area when about 16 years ago I became the chief engineer of the Golden Gate Bridge District and it's a dream job for someone who studied engineering. I did that for 10 years on a whole variety of projects uh, where we get to preserve the bridge for future generations so it'll be there for that Starfleet command when it really happens. (laughs) right. Wow. So did you ever envision this happening at some point in your life? Honestly, no. Yeah, really? Okay. No, I'll be honest. I never envisioned actually ending up as the chief engineer and then the general manager running the whole uh, show. I mean, it just never crossed my mind. Uh, But like I said, I was in the right place at the right time. I'd worked on a lot of other bridges, and uh, just serendipity came my way. Wow. So how is it now? I mean, working with I know we're talking in the green room about... The, the amount of people that cross the Golden Gate Bridge, the weight, the, how, 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 how is it on a day-to-day basis looking at and working on such an iconic structure? I'm so fortunate to be there. Every day yeah. is different. The weather is different. The crowds, the challenges are different. On a busy Saturday in July, we'll have 20,000 people on the wow. sidewalks. 8,000 bikes will cross the bridge. 12,000 pedestrians will walk out there. People from all over the world, you walk on the sidewalks, you hear every language on the planet, and they're there to soak up the view and to touch the bridge. Yeah. Speaking of touching the bridge, what is the official color? Does it have a, its own color? or? A... It does. It's okay. called International Orange, and there's a great story in the color. Okay. Uh, we have a copy of the original color and lighting report done by the architect Irving Morrow on our website, but there's a big debate about what should the color be, and they ultimately didn't pick the color until they were in construction. Um, mm. In the color and lighting report, you'll see that the United States Navy wrote a letter saying it should be like a barbershop pole except yellow and black stripes. Oh. Um, they thought that the bridge was so big, so new, that planes would fly into it. Some people said it should be battleship gray. Some people said green. And there's this 
this big debate, like many things here in the Bay Area and in the design world. And so they started building the bridge, and they brought the steel out from Pennsylvania with the primer on it. The primer was red lead, which has a burnt orange color. Mm -hmm. People looked at the, pr the prime steel going up, and we, they said, that's the color. And that's how they wow. picked the color. Really? Yeah. And that's all documented uh, by the original architect in a report he wrote in the 1930s. Yeah. How did it, was it by committee? They they all collectively said this is the color that we'd like? or, or... I think there was a broad consensus okay. once people saw the steel starting to be erect. They thought that's how it should look or they thought that's how it's supposed to look. And so, uh, yeah, they quickly decided once they started erecting steel that that's what it should be. Yeah. It we... really fits the setting. It really fits the oh. site. That's an understatement. And and how is it in like an official color? Uh, would you call it? You, you can go to any paint store and buy it. There's a Pantone okay. color uh, combination. We have that on our website, so you can look up the numbers and you can have it mixed at any paint shop. Okay. Now, uh, Moro, right? That's right. You say original. So how did they come about? Do you, are you? How did they choose the architect and the engineer? How did they go about this? Well, the original chief engineer uh, was uh, uh, Strauss, and he assembled a fabulous team of people to design and build the bridge. He brought together a lot of the great minds. But the original architect he hired, he fired. I think they wanted too big a fee. And so he ended up hiring Irving Morrow. And it's a neat story because Morrow was with a firm called Morrow & Morrow. It was a husband and wife architecture firm in the 1930s. Uh, she was a graduate of UC Berkeley uh, in architecture. She doesn't receive any credit for the work, but I find it difficult to believe that a husband and wife, both practicing architects working side by side uh, she didn't have a little bit to do with it. Oh, yeah so so they, they did this um i don't know uh, how, what kind of consensus whether on there was there on the choosing of even to do the bridge um, um, you know, was there anything that sparked it saying, that's it, we're going to put a bridge over here? Was you know, people it? had talked about it for a long time. Uh, Emperor Norton was a, a famous character in San oh, Francisco yeah. history. Okay. He was the first one to publicly say, we need to build a bridge across that strait. Um, and people thought he was a crazy man. But many decades <laughs> later, uh, O'Shaughnessy, the then chief engineer for the city and county of San Francisco, proposed it. And then they ultimately uh, got involved with, uh, with Strauss. And Strauss was an engineer who'd built lots of smaller bridges. And uh, he just assembled this amazing amazing team and he was uh, he assembled the political will, really, uh, okay. to get the, the 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 motivation and the the money to to bring it to fruition. Yeah, I wonder if there was if there were a lot of a lot of people or a number of people that actually said, "No, we don't want this bridge," and here's why. Oh yeah, there are thousands of lawsuits to stop it. Um, the railroads ran right? the wow. uh, ferries that carried people across, and they didn't want the competition. What's interesting about the bridge is it was built in the midst of the Great Depression, and people literally bet the farm. People voted in six counties to tax themselves to cover the bonds in case the toll weren't enough to pay for the bridge. No state or federal funds were used. The state and federal government was focused on building the Bay Bridge at the same time. And so folks wanted to open up what was then called the Redwood Empire, the oh. hinterlands north of San Francisco to get, you know, pears and uh, redwood to, to yeah. market in San Francisco. Wow. So it wasn't just, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. No, they did lots yeah. of studies. They looked at traffic. They looked at uh, uh, the financials. They looked at the engineering. and uh, But it was a leap of faith. It was much bigger than any structure. But what's really unique about it is that it's a beautiful setting, and it's a very visible infrastructure. And it's one of the few times where the built infrastructure adds to the beauty of an already wonderful, beautiful site. Yeah. Are there any uh, studies or, or um, recordings of the original engineers or architects of it where they decided hey here's here's how it is here's why it is and here's what we thought uh, there's some oral histories out oral there history, there's several books that have been yeah. written about the bridge for sounds of the bridge i mean mickey hart uh worked on uh, the 75th anniversary uh putting microphones on the bridge and putting together some music with some of the sounds on the bridge. Yeah. So a lot of people have studied the bridge and look at it from a variety of different vantage points over the years. Yeah, speaking of that, the 75th uh, anniversary of the bridge, you're, you're talking about how, how it moves, the bridge actually moves, and how, how much does it? Well, yeah. the bridge is interesting. It, it, it's it's steel, mostly in concrete, uh, but it moves quite a bit. You have two tall towers sitting out in the water, and those towers are 4,200 feet apart. So that's about, you know, the better part of a mile, a little shy of a mile. And in the midpoint between those two towers, it goes up and down 16 feet based on temperature and traffic. On a, a, on a, a sunny day, which is, is not all that common at the bridge, actually, a couple hours after the sun hits the steel, it's heated up enough that it's actually sank two feet at that midpoint. There's instrumentation on it. The Exploratorium has a little exhibit so children can learn about the science, technology, engineering, math of the bridge uh -huh. by seeing how it moves based on that. But based on traffic loading, it can also move. And so it's designed to go up and down 16 feet. At the midpoint, it's designed to go sideways 27 feet one way or 27 feet the other way. That sounds like a lot, but that 27-foot 
foot movement is from a point you know, 2,100 feet away. So it's actually a very small angle, um, but it, the bridge is designed to accommodate movement, and uh, it, it moves every day. Yeah, we talked also about how many people can be on it before it actually, it would uh, it would significantly stretch the bridge. What is it, half a million? Or? Well, in the 50th anniversary, they had something that, in hindsight, was perhaps ill-advised. They thought they'd have a, a bridge walk. They closed the bridge of traffic, and they thought a, a few people might show up. They hired the best, you know, crowd you know, uh, estimators and party planners around. They thought maybe 30,000 people would show up. Uh, so uh, it was a beautiful, sunny uh, morning in San Francisco. So people started streaming on the bridge from both sides, San Francisco and Moran. They got trapped, and pretty soon they couldn't move. And so the bridge lowered the full 16 feet that day. Oh. Um, people crammed together way more than cars and trucks. Yeah, that was interesting. It's just, just the way it is. Well, as an architect, yeah. you design a deck for a, a uniform loading of 100 pounds a square foot. If you look at the Caltrans design guidelines for a bridge, they have all these point loads for the big tires of trucks. Yeah. But if you average it all out, it works to be about 67 pounds a square foot. So the distributed load for a typical highway bridge, for especially a long span bridge, is less than it is that deck that you design as a working architect today. Wow, nice. So how did, how did you become decide to become what you are now? I mean, I know it's, you talk of luck and timing, but there had to be some some vision of it at some point early in your life. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm an engineer. I, I enjoy building things. I enjoy math and science. And so I studied civil engineering, and I, I went to work for Caltrans, the State Department of Transportation. And uh, partway through my career there, I got involved in the toll bridges in the Bay Area, uh, the new Carquinez Bridge, the new Benicia Martinez Bridge, the widening of the San Mateo Hayward Trestle. And it was tremendous fun. But then the opportunity came along to go to the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, if you huh. work on bridges, um, there's only one Golden Gate Oh, yeah. Bridge. So how'd that come about? Was it like a special day, a week? A, you know? I know it's a headhunter. Okay. Actually, a headhunter hit me up and asked me to apply, and I, I said no because I wanted to complete some things. A year later, I got another call from a different headhunter. And so uh, the opportunity presented itself. I interviewed, and in a weak moment, they hired me to in a weak uh, moment. be their uh, chief engineer. <laughs> yeah. So how is that on a day-to-day day, day day basis? It's got to be, it, it's the same bridge. Well, but... it's a giant jungle, Jim. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, we have to get out there and climb on it once in a while. <laughs> but in addition to the bridge, we operate bus and ferry service. So we really improve the quality of life in the community because we get people out of their cars. We use surplus bridge tolls to subsidize our bus and ferry system. So if you watch the traffic reports in the Bay Area in the morning, traffic is moving the speed limit on the Golden Gate Bridge, unlike any other bridge in the Bay Area, because a lot of the people commuting into the city are on our buses and ferries. And so we move people. We have lots of smaller projects at our bus and ferry facilities, some of which are quite fun and challenging. But at the bridge, uh, we've done lots of modifications to it. Um, about 14 years ago, we installed a handrail between the sidewalks and the roadway. There used to be just an 18-inch tall curb, so if you rode your bike and you fell, you would land in a live lane. Oh. That's not a good thing. Oh, yeah. uh, so we, we installed a handrail, and the best story about the handrail is uh, a couple months after we completed the construction, a couple that commuted every day across the bridge together wrote, uh, sent an email in with an inquiry. They're having a little dispute, the husband and wife, where he thought that the uh, handrail had always been there, and the wife said, no, that thing's new. And so they reached out to us to find out what the answer was. And so our challenge is when we do modifications to the bridge is to uh, have that as the result, where people don't know that we touch it and that we change it as we preserve it for future generations. Yeah, so it's, it's it sounds like you're constantly... It the bridge is evolving in a way. We have a lot of projects. Yeah. You know, the vertical suspender ropes that you can touch out there okay. that hang down off the main cables, those were all replaced in the 1970s. The roadway deck was mostly replaced in the 1980s. Uh, in the last, you know, uh, 15 years, we replaced all the steel towers on land. Not the two big ones out in the water, but the steel towers on land have been replaced. The tallest one is 164 feet tall. We put the bridge on stilts. We didn't tell you about it. We cut out the old <laughs> oh, towers, goodness. put in new foundations, yeah. and put in new towers, uh, towers that are much stronger for earthquakes, um, but we make them look similar to the original. So if you look carefully, you'll t see the difference. If you're at the bluffs in the north or south end of the bridge, look at those towers and the viaducts, and you'll notice that on the diagonals, there's little laser cutout triangles to mimic the original construction with little pieces stitched together with rivets. And so it looks the same, um, but it's, it's a more modern structure. And so we have rebuilt parts of the bridge uh, when necessary to you know, protect against what we now know about you know, today's challenges. Yeah, it sounds like it's alive. Uh, in some ways, I, I, it feels I mean, it. You know, yeah, it, okay. it changes with the traffic, yeah. but with the weather in particular. The weather's changing nonstop during the day. The summertime, the fog can come in and go out several times, and so it always looks a little bit different. And then the original Art Deco styling has fluting on the tower struts and some other features that really play in shadows well. So as the sun changes during the day or during the time of year, it always looks a little bit different. Oh, my goodness. So 
how often are you painting the bridge? So we, we paint nonstop. We have a, a crew of about three dozen painters, a dozen and a half iron workers, half dozen operating engineers that work full time. We inspect the bridge every other year, and we use the inspection results to prioritize our maintenance activities and to also put together a long-term 10-year capital plan for future improvements we need to do so the bridge is there tomorrow. So is it 10 years for every facet of the bridge? or some, No, some, some, of... some things have never been touched. Some things okay. have been touched quite a bit. Um, it depends on, you know, some things the original detailing was a little better than others. Some things the weather's a little harsher than others. The north end of the bridge is like the Riviera compared to the south end of the bridge. The arch that spans over Fort Point in the summertime is foggy and windy, and you're getting sandblasted by the <clears throat> wind picking up the, the sand. And if you go to the Marin Shore by the Discovery Museum in Kavala, mm-hmm. it's 15 degrees warmer. It's like an oasis, and that's just, you know, a mile and a half away. So there's little microclimates across the length of the bridge also. There's pockets where the wind howls in over the marine headlands and basically sandblasts and beat up parts of the bridge. And so uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You have to go okay. out there, look at the bridge, document what, what the condition is, and have strategies to, to maintain things and stay on top of them. Yeah, so it really is evolving—not evolving, but you, it's— constantly changing. It is constantly changing. Yeah. You know, the sidewalk usage is way up. Uh, the traffic, we change the number of lanes in each direction a couple times a day. So we do multiple things um, that, you know, reflect the bridge kind of being alive. Yeah, I, I love that. We'll c- come back to that. Um, you're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Kickstart is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to lift millions of people in Africa out of poverty quickly cost-effectively, and sustainably. Co-founded by Stanford alumnus Dr. Martin Fisher, Kickstart Designs promotes and markets simple money-making tools that smallholder farmers can buy and use to start profitable family enterprises. You can help families permanently change their lives by contributing to Kickstart. For more information, visit kickstart.org. That's kickstart.org. And now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Dennis Mulligan, engineer, general manager, and CEO of the Golden Gate Bridge. Check out their website at the Golden Gate Bridge and Dennis at goldengate.org. That's goldengate.org. Dennis, what recent projects have you worked on or working on currently with the bridge, if you're at liberty to say so? Uh, Certainly. We've always got projects underway. About two years ago, we uh, closed the bridge for a weekend for the first time ever to install a movable median barrier on the bridge. Uh, Previously, opposing directions of traffic have been separated by four-inch diameter hollow plastic tubes that provided a visual demarcation. So the movable median barrier was a, a very welcome project. It provides a physical barrier so that if an errant motorist loses control going the other direction, mm-hmm. they're not going to hit you. So that was a, a recently completed project. Uh, but even more recently, we just awarded a construction contract last month to construct a suicide barrier in the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, Suicide is one of those issues we don't talk about as a society. But unfortunately, a lot of people come to the bridge to hurt themselves. So we have staff on the sidewalks that intervenes. Uh, last year, we stopped over 200 people from hurting themselves. Wow. <clears throat> but unfortunately and sadly, 39 people died last year by jumping off the bridge. So we have a project to construct a net. Uh, nets have been installed at over a dozen installations worldwide over the last two decades. And where they've been installed, people stop jumping. Suicidal people don't want to hurt themselves. They want to die. The net will be stainless steel wire rope. It'll be located down 20 feet, so it will hurt greatly if you jump into it. Oh. Um, it'll be installed on both sides of the bridge. So it's a huge undertaking. The bridge is 1.7 miles long. It'll go on both sides. Um, but it's a project that'll save lives. Yeah. Now, are the, are the people part of the city that are, I don't know what you, the profession they're, or what they're called, interveners? or We have uh, patrol uh, officers on okay. the sidewalks. Are uh, they dressed or are they uniformed? Or? Uh, they're uniformed. Uh, okay. we, we, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, we profile people. If you're okay. out there by yourself uh, and you're a woman without a purse and you're not jogging, if you're a man and you're not taking pictures with your iPhone and you're by yourself, we're going to ask you, you know, how you doing and we'll have a conversation with you. Uh, if you're crying on our sidewalk, it'll be a very quick conversation. Yeah. Uh, but we took 39 people off the bridge last, I mean, sorry, we took almost 200 people off the bridge last year that were taken to a local hospital for a psychiatric hold. So um, suicide, we don't talk about much as sure. a society. It affects young people a lot. Um, and we've seen a big uptick in young people, a five-fold increase in the number of people under the age of 25 coming five to the fold? bridge in what, the last since, five? since 2000. 2000, okay. So in, in 16 years now, we've had a five-fold increase in the number of young people. So, you know, the numbers are up, so it's prudent to spend some money to do something. For those that drive across the bridge, you won't see the net. 
Okay. Um, it'll be down 20 feet. Uh, if you're on the area surrounding the bridge, the vista points at the north and south ends, you'll notice it. But if you're in the headlands or Christie Field, you won't see it. Fort Point, if you squint, you might see it. So it's a solution that kind of blends into the, the tinker toys of the bridge. So it's not very visible. It touches lightly. Uh, but it'll save a lot of lives. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing that even with the people. I mean, 200 is significant. You yeah. know, we, we have patrol officers yeah. out there, and they're unfortunately quite busy. Oh, really? On a day-to-day basis? or You know, uh, it's not every day, but, you know, yeah. you know every Monthly, other day. Monthly, weekly? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, several times a week. Well, it's that significant. It is significant. It's part of what we do. And, uh, you know, when you become a, a bridge engineer or if you're an architect or designer, you never think that I'll be dealing with projects that save lives or I'll be dealing with these challenges about how do we save lives. People are coming here to hurt or, hurt themselves. You know, what can we do about it? Uh, you know, what's a, an appropriate strategy that, you know, uh, you know, saves lives and, you know, helps people get through a bad day? Yeah. Now, it's going back to the people, is um, do you consider uh, engineering or architecture facets to the bridge? by the people just the, just the public in general or are you like constantly looking at it like you know hey you know we notice so many people like to ride their bicycles so if we coated it you know non-stick or non-stick uh non-slip uh coating it makes a difference do you, you know, consider we look at it at least human factors we look at human factors the sidewalks okay. we actually have if you go out there and look at them they're, they're clean they're spotless yeah. uh, there's uh virtually no cracks in the concrete it's a very very smooth riding surface so you know we try to have things that uh, are sensitive to the users of the bridge. You know, we put that public safety railing in between the sidewalk and the roadway because we notice more and more people are starting to walk on the bridge and ride their bikes. And so we try to be responsive to things as they change and evolve. Uh, the suicide barrier is a great example of where, you know, we don't turn a blind eye. As things change, as more people start committing suicide in our community, young people, veterans, uh, we try to uh, be sensitive to that and come up with solutions while respecting the architectural vocabulary and the historic integrity of the structure. Yeah, so as everything's got to go against that, that it has to maintain the integrity of the original. You know, it, it, the, as much as the, possible. The public yeah. expects you know nothing less than that from us. Yeah. So you know, as part of a retrofit project, we replaced the wall of an anchorage house that's ninety feet tall, three hundred feet long. No small undertaking. Yeah. The original concrete forms in the nineteen thirties used rough sawn two by six lumber. So we pulled the forms off. You see that lumber lines and nail heads on it. So when we replaced this wall, our, we made the contractor use uh, uh, you know liners on the forms where they nailed on uh, rough sawn two by six lumber. So when they pulled off the forms, it looked like the original concrete. Yeah. So little details, you know, make a big difference, and the public expects that from us, and so it's our job to meet that expectation. Yeah. Speaking of public, how how many people walk, bike, drive through the bridge on a daily basis, an average number? On an average day, we'll have 120,000 vehicles cross the bridge. Uh, the visitation to the sidewalks is more weather-dependent, and it's a little seasonal. But, a, you know, I think a, a busy Saturday in July, we'll have 20,000 people on the sidewalks. It's like a concert. 8,000 <laughs> bikes crossing the bridge in a day, 20,000 pedestrians walking partway out. So it's it's busy, and there's lots of challenges associated with that. Um, people want to have expressive activities out there to, you know, take advantage of their First Amendment rights. So we have rules, so we strike a balance between between their needs and desires and their constitutional rights, but the safety of the other users out there. And so we kind of try to strike a balance and coordinate all that. Yeah, well... You're, you're here, you're, you're dressed in the studio in a coat and tie. Uh, do you, we talked about you donning a hard hat, and uh, and you've spanned the bridge, have you not? Yeah, Many so, times, by requirement, by Yeah, no, I'm fun. an engineer by training, and so, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I can't help myself, but I keep, you know, jeans, uh, steel toe boots, hard hat, and a climbing harness in my office. And, you know, I have, as part of my, when I was a chief engineer, I have inspected the main cable from end to end. I have climbed all over different parts of the bridge. And to me, it's a giant jungle gym, as well as a piece <laughs> of fabulous, you know, public art and as yeah. well as vital infrastructure that people rely on for transportation. Yeah. So when you, you, you've been to the top and down, you've looked down. I've, and, I've climbed all you know. over it. You know, uh, our staff <laughs> has, has literally climbed over every inch of the bridge. We, you know, document and photograph and, you know, score all the pieces. And we use that to prioritize you know, our maintenance activities. Yeah. Are there any birds or any, any uh, living creatures that you've found? Like, well, how the heck did you get up this high? I mean, I've seen uh, peregrine falcons uh, in a couple different locations. Okay. Uh, you know, so um, that adds to, to the fun of it. 
Uh, we see cormorants, seagulls. Um, you know, in the north end of the bridge, we have some security areas with fences, but apparently deer can jump the fences. Really? So, so, you know, uh, you know, on either end of the bridge used to be a military installation. We actually have a permit from the federal government. It was then called the Department of War uh, to build the bridge in the 1930s. But now it's parklands on both sides. And so we're very fortunate. There's a lot of wildlife. Um, we had a coyote that we uh, photographed crossing the bridge about 15 years ago. Now there's lots of coyotes in San Francisco. So uh, wildlife takes advantage of it. We've had deer cross the bridge before where we uh, did a rolling traffic break so cars wouldn't hit the deer so it would safely yeah. make it across once it got partway out on the roadway. So we try to you know, respect Bay Area values yeah. um, as we you know, manage whatever Mother Nature <laughs> yeah. throws our way. <laughs> yeah, speaking of throwing your way, how's the, how about the movie industry? Is it? Uh, I've heard it's one of the most... Uh, filmed bridges in the world or, or movies have been made with the bridge in it. Uh, is that true? Or uh, I don't know if it's the it? most, uh, but okay. it, it's in countless films. Okay. Um, if you try to do a, a catalog of how many times the bridge has been destroyed by Hollywood. It's a long <laughs> list from the giant octopus, you know, oh, yeah. when they first made color movies, uh, to you know, X Men, to James Bond, View to a Kill. Um, you know, the the bridge is always uh, suffering. You know, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Vertigo uh, had the scene by Fort Point with the arch of the bridge behind it. Um, so it seems that Hollywood is is quite taken with the bridge, uh, but it's kind of <laughs> irritating that they try to destroy it as often as they do. Yeah, I bet. Um... How would, have you seen anything really unique uh, on, on the bridge? You know, like when the uh, Blue Angels go over, do you get a perfect vantage point to see that? Or uh, If you're on the yeah. sidewalks and the Blue Angels come over, uh, it shakes you. They fly about 50 feet above the roadway over the arch, uh, over Fort Point, that part of the roadway. 50 feet? About 50 feet. So it's the south end of the bridge. So it's really loud. It shakes. It shakes our building. Uh, one of the more interesting things I saw, though, and this is really an odd one, is there's like a, a, a horse trailer going across the bridge that stopped for the toll plaza. And apparently there was an ostrich in the back of it. And the reason I know that is when the trailer stopped to pay the toll, the ostrich <laughs> kicked the door and got out on the roadway. <laughs> no way. And so we had uh, photographs of one of our workers with a lasso trying to capture the ostrich to get it back in the horse trailer. Oh. So all sorts of weird things happen there. Uh, there's been babies born in our toll plaza. Um, where people are coming through, they're going, running late for a doctor's appointment, and they stop there. And you know, there's uh, s- uh, several babies that are born there in the life of the bridge. All sorts of odd things. Wait a way to start out, huh? You know, yeah. it started with a bang. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Oh, that's great. So, how, how else? Is, uh, you've been doing this how long now? As a, I've a, been a general manager for six years. I was the okay. chief engineer for ten years prior to that. Okay, so ten years. What has changed since you first became a chief engineer of the bridge, and to where you are? Today, or well, we you know we, we no longer have toll collectors. Okay, um, you know all electronic tolling speeds up traffic. It's good for the environment. You know the stop and go, um, and it's uh, more cost effective. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Our toll collectors are fabulous individuals, so we try to give them all soft landings. 20% of them drive buses for us today. We can teach you to drive a bus. We can't teach you to smile, so we wanted them all to become bus drivers. <laughs> we had the world's friendliest toll collectors. Uh, some are laborers, uh, bus dispatchers, servicers. So we try to repurpose them within the organization because they're good people. But it was prudent to move forward with technology and, and to, to address the people issues in an in a, in appropriate fashion because they were good employees so we can implement technology. So we've done a lot of technology projects at the bridge over the years. We are actually the first bridge back in the day to go to one-way toll collection in the 1960s. All bridges collected both ways manually. Then we went to one-way and everyone thought it was nuts. And then a couple years, within two years, almost all bridges had gone to one-way toll collection. Somehow they thought they were going to lose money. Yeah. Uh, you know, we went to all electronic tolling four years ago, so we try to embrace technology, we try to embrace change, um, but respect the integrity of the bridge and the integrity of our workforce. Yeah. Now, with with that said, we also talked about the sustainability, how they were they were so ahead in the 30s, 20s, actually, that... Um, and, thoughts of sustainability how so you know uh, you know how some of the ways that they were like wow that was really forward thinking back in 1937 they were very forward thinking yeah. in a, on a variety of fronts for starters at the south end of the bridge you have an arch that spans over fort point when they built the bridge they blocked the cannon at fort point and they blocked the lighthouse they made it obsolete it would have been cheaper to demolish the fort where today's environmental laws didn't exist. There was no CEQA, California Environmental Quality Act, or NEPA, but they built the arch over the fort to preserve it for future generations. That's how respectful they were of the past and the future. They put sidewalks on the bridge. It's hard to find a bridge of that vintage that has sidewalks on both sides. So they're very forward-thinking that people should be able to walk out on a bridge. They should be able to experience it and maybe commute across it that way. 
than our predecessors about 45 years ago got in the transit business. They built this bridge, and you know, traffic grew about 7% a year, and pretty soon it was a mess. And instead of you know, double-decking the bridge to put more cars in the streets of mm-hmm. San Francisco, they got in the bus and ferry business. And so today, during commute periods, 25% of all trips are on our buses and ferries subsidized by bridge tolls. So those that have to drive have more room in the roadway, and they can drive the speed limit in the morning commute hours. Well, how is traffic? We hear a lot about it now, but how is it uh, increased in the last, say, three to five years that you've seen? Traffic's increased dramatically. Yeah. You know, the Bay Area economy is booming, so the good news is everyone has a job to go to. Uh, <laughs> the bad news is that everyone's going to the job same time. And so all of our transportation facilities, whether it be, you know, a highway, uh, a train system, a ferry system, or a bus system, is, is experiencing growing pains. Um, you know, our ferry business has really taken off because traffic has gotten so heavy that to get back to, you know, Central Marin by boat is 45 minutes faster than driving. And so we've seen a big uptick. Our boats are mm-hmm. full during commute periods going back and forth between Larkspur and San Francisco. Um, you know, buses, we provide a first-class ride because we want people to get out of their cars. So we have high back upholstered seats, overhead lights in air. It's similar to an airline except we have a little more legroom than many oh, really? airlines. And so we yeah. want to encourage people, our predecessors did, they set this system in place that we now continue to grow to get people out of their cars because it's good for the quality of life in the community. Wow. Now, how many employees are there within the Golden Gate Bridge? The The district has about 850 employees. The largest group of employees, though, is bus drivers. Um, You know, in life, we demonstrate our priorities by how we spend our money. You know, we say we're the bridge district. Well, we're really a transit district. We spend more of our money on buses and ferries than we do uh, the bridge. We maintain the bridge. We protect the bridge. We have patrols to save lives in the bridge. Um, But we operate buses and ferries to give people an option to get out of their cars so that, you know, like I said, traffic flows a little bit better and people's commutes a little bit less stressful and uh, there's less pollution and, and, you know, people can enjoy life. Yeah. Are there other cities that have come to uh, come to you and said, you know, how how do you run this whole transportation system so efficiently and effectively? You know, we've had uh, folks come from other countries, actually, to to understand the business model, to understand our our maintenance methodologies, you know, how we uh, do our our electronic record keeping and things like that. Uh, Some people have come and visited us on the electronic tolling facet of it. So, you know, we we exchange with others. We learn from others and others learn from us. I think that's true of any profession. Yeah. But even more so because it's so iconic. I no, just want yeah, to I mean, you know, everyone everyone wants yeah. to say they went to the Golden Gate Bridge, so we'll have delegations from all across, <laughs> you know, Europe and Asia that okay. come visit us. So it's the draw too. It's not just the. It's the draw. You think too. so? Yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone wants to come visit the bridge. Yeah, and you're you're in charge of it. That's that's amazing. Do you, you feel that? I know. I think I asked you earlier, but that's got to be something else because it, it's you're one of a few people on the planet that are overseeing what's considered a wonder of the world. You know, I'm very fortunate. Yeah. I, I, I tell my family, I get paid to work there. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, every day is, is a great day at the bridge. It's a day, great day at the bridge. And it changes daily as well. It changes daily. You know, traffic, weather, everything. New challenges every day. Excellent. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? You can find the perfect products for your design, plus all the information you need to finish your construction documents and written specifications on modeler.com. It's a tool for architects and other design professionals featuring products from over 350 brands. You can search for products, see how they've been used by others, compare them with similar items, ask manufacturers specific questions, then access the information as well as the BIM, CAD, Revit files you need to populate your construction drawings. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for their generous unwriting of the production and broadcasting costs for the modern architect this is the modern architect on kzsu stanford 90.1 fm free speech tv a national independent news network committed to advancing progressive social change reaching more than 40 million households in the u.s free speech tv inspires viewers to become civically engaged in building a more just equitable and sustainable society you can get involved by joining an online community, subscribing to the e-guide or RSS feed, sharing videos, and, of course, making donations. For more information, visit freespeech.org. That's freespeech.org. Thank you for tuning in. This is The Modern Architect. Our guest today is Dennis Mulligan, engineer, general manager, and CEO of world-famous Golden Gate Bridge here in beautiful San Francisco, California. Visit the Golden Gate Bridge and Dennis at GoldenGate.org. That's GoldenGate.org. Dennis, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, how the uh, 
With engineering constantly evolving, the expectations for emerging architectural buildings evolve as well. What's changed in your experience over the the past, say, four or five years? Yeah, I think sustainability, it's always been an issue, but each year, I think people's awareness of it, the general public's awareness of it, developers' awareness of it, it it grows. I mean, I think people realize that the planet is heating up, that we all have a personal responsibility as well as a collective responsibility in everything we do, including, you know, design, operations and maintenance of facilities to to do what we can to make the world a better place. Yeah, speaking of that, have you noticed that, do you also take the temperature of the water, uh, the bridge itself just to monitor this the sort of changes is there any um, system that you have in place to do that we or? have some instruments on the bridge uh, a lot of them are tied to seismic uh you know seismic we, okay you know we yeah. we have some uh detailed computer models of how we think the bridge is going to move, but engineering hubris is a dangerous thing. <laughs> so we've got about over 120 sensors on the bridge or adjacent to the bridge at key locations so that when there's seismic events, we can measure what actually happens. And there's been two modest earthquakes over the last, you know, 15 years in the Bay Area that we actually got records from. And so, you know, um, we, we want to learn more about that. We also have uh, weather data that we gather at the bridge. Uh, at Midspan, we care about the wind speed. Uh, NOAA gathers weather data also. Um, so we have, you know, we have some instrumentation. Uh, we have a lot of uh, instrumentation and infrastructure associated with security. I can't go into the details, mm-hmm. but we are an iconic structure, and so we're very cognizant of the responsibilities that go with that. And so we have uh, things in place to help us with that also. Yeah. How much of, your, uh, of what you do is uh, people-related, and how much is engineering, maintenance, uh, related? Could you ever you ever quantify a percentage if you if you want to look at it on a day to day basis? Well, my current job, yes, I think I just go to meetings and drink coffee. Um, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, we run a large organization. We run bus and ferry service. We run maintenance crews, operational crews, security crews. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is dealing with people. Um, you know, I used to do the engineering uh, all the time, yeah. and now I don't. But I still, you know, grab plans and peek once in a while and pull on my harness and, <coughs> excuse me, go out and look at things. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, you know, a lot of what I do is you know, dealing with people, dealing with money. You know, we're we're a public agency, but we're a small business. You know, our finances are brutally simple. We have very limited borrowing authority, so we can't get in trouble. And so we have to, you know, manage our resources well, spend the, our ratepayers, the public's money well. And so, yeah, I spend time with, you know, people, but also time dealing with financial issues. Yeah, so you, you said something that's kind of like its own... Uh Enterprise is that correct or is that reaching? No, that's that's correct. We're okay. a governmental entity. We're a okay. multi-county transportation district, kind of like BART, but we've been around a lot longer. And so, um, you know, six counties created us, and we have a mission. We have a board of directors that sets our rates. They set our priorities. They uh, measure me against that, um, and and our team. And so, um, but in, in a sense, we're a governmental agency that provides service. You know, we're a service organization. We provide bus service, ferry service, and bridge service, whether it's be visually looking at it or walking on it, riding your bike on it, or driving across it. And so we want to make sure that we provide first-class service, that people want to ride our buses, they want to yeah. ride our boats, and that people, when they you know walk on the bridge, say, wow, that was worth it. Yeah. And you, you said something interesting. You said you hear just about every language in the world uh, in there. The sidewalks are amazing. Yeah. Um, it's it's this you know melting pot of visitors that come to San Francisco. People come to San Francisco from all over the world, and if you come to San Francisco from all over the world, you're going to find your way to the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, eventually you will, and you know that you have to. You're the steward of that. You know, tourism is a big yeah. industry in the Bay Area, and so it's important that, you know, when tourists come to the bridge, they have a good experience because uh, a lot of people's jobs in the Bay Area depend upon those folks going home saying it was a good experience. Yeah. So, for example, when we went to all electronic tolling, we found out that rental car companies were adding on extra fees to people uh, when they drove across our bridge for all electronic tolling. Well, you know, we don't want a family on their once-in-a-lifetime dream vacation coming to San Francisco from Oklahoma and going home and telling their neighbors, don't go there again, everyone's (laughs) ripping you off. And so we modified our rules so that people have a chance to post-pay their toll with their cell phone online uh, or at a kiosk for up to two days afterwards so they can avoid those fees. So we're sensitive to the fact that, you know, 5% of our customers in the summertime are rental cars. And if someone's from outside the area, they spend a lot of money to come here. It's a one-time experience. We want them to go home and not say there's something negative about the Golden Gate Bridge in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. And in, in, in terms of the, the bridge, it sounds like it, we, we mentioned here that it's in, alive, but it, it's evolving and it changes massively. Like you said, you, you some of the spans you've replaced and nobody knows. Is that kind of the MO? It's like, okay, let's get this done, but if nobody notices, 
Yes. I think I think that yeah. is part of it because you know everyone feels it's their bridge. You know they you know ran a marathon. You're right. It's very personal. It. Yeah. It's personal. They, yeah. People have a strong emotional tie. You know they're a veteran. They returned home from Vietnam and their ship went under the bridge and that's their first image of home. So people have these strong emotional ties and so they care about the bridge. It's their bridge and so they don't want us mucking it up. Yeah. Um, and you know just one <laughs> anecdote about that: we have a clock on top of the toll plaza. When a neon number goes out on the clock, our phones light up. <laughs> You know, it's really? like we can see it out the window, but people, you know, like, you know, they, so they care about it and they're, they're passionate about it. It's a strong emotional attachment. Yeah. And that's really a good thing. Yeah. Now, so literally the bridge could almost be recreated if you had to without no, anyone noticing. I mean, not no, in no, one there's, motion. There's, but... not, there's parts you couldn't really replace easily okay. without changing how it looks. And there's parts that you never want to have to replace. Um, but there's, you know, many parts that have been replaced. And uh, it's our job to stay on top of that and to evaluate what we have and to preserve it for future generations. Yeah. And how many, have you ever thought of the trivial question, like how many bolts are on there? Uh, on our website, I think we have the, the, you do the have approximately it. the rivets. They don't oh, rivets. They, they okay, use rivets the in the 1930s. Yeah. They're kind of like weak bolts structurally. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's millions and millions of rivets. And somewhere on there, we have a calculation or, or discussion about that. Yeah. I don't recall the exact number right now. But yeah. It's, I mean, just looking at the towers from the roadway up, and you, you can't even see most of them. They're inside. And yeah. it's mind-blowing. Mind yeah. What's great about it is they built this in the midst of the Great Depression with local money. Um, they did this without calculators, without computers, without today's huge cranes that you saw, like building the New Bay Bridge. Mm-hmm. They had rudimentary technology, um, but they put people to work in good-paying jobs, and they valued their workers. The workers had hard hats, the first bridge where everyone had to wear a hard hat. And they had a safety oh. net for the workers. So it's, we're kind of repeating the past with our yeah. suicide barrier net. Yeah. They had a safety net. It saved 19 workers' lives. Back in the 1930s, they commonly lost at least one worker for every million dollars spent. Oh. And 19 workers would have died but for the safety net they built. They didn't have today's fall protection and harnesses and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they valued human life. And so what they did was amazing. Nothing we do today compares, but we have the pleasure of preserving what they did for future generations and telling their stories. Yeah. Speaking of stories, do you get lots of letters, personal letters, even just from someone being touched by being on the bridge? You know, we, we, we get some letters and email nowadays, yeah. uh, you know, text from folks about, you know, their experience out there. You know, people find it a very strong emotional experience when they come to the bridge. Many people do. Yeah. And so th- so they write? They people write in. They in send and... in letters. You know, the letters are kind of fun because it's, it's you know, from a different era and the bridge is from a different era. Yeah. Um, and they come in, they ask questions, or they talk about some experience they had. Yeah. What, what are some of the... Uh, Things that our, our audience and listeners would be curious to know that you know that we as a public don't know that are kind of funny about the bridge. Um, I don't if know there are any stories. There's, or, oh, there's or, countless stories, okay. you know, but, yeah. you know, funny to one person may not be to another. Yeah. I like the ostrich running around on the road oh, yeah. myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's uh, lots of expressive activities that occur there. People come there for various things. So every May, uh, one of the first weekends in May, Girl Scouts come there for a bridging ceremony. So they bridge at the Golden Gate Bridge. You'll have, you know, 5,000 Girl Scouts there. Oh. Um, you know, uh, with the recent inauguration, uh, there was an expressive activity where people held arms across the bridge wearing purple. So, so, you know, it, there's all sorts of interesting things always happening out there. I think people are amazed to hear how many people use the sidewalks. Uh, I think people are, you know, uh, yeah. a, amazed to to understand that there's some ships that go under the bridge. They still have to lower things to fit underneath it. Do they have to call in with you before they do it? Well, the, the cranes at the Port of Oakland, when they came okay. in, they have special ships that transport those around the world, and those ships are semi-submersible. So about a mile offshore, the ship stops, and they start pumping water into the ship. So uh, it sits oh. 30 feet lower in the water, and it's about five foot of water. And then they lower the booms down, and then they go underneath the bridge. Uh, one of the times I was inspecting the navigation lights at Midspan when one of those went underneath, I got oh. photos of it. And there's about How 10 close? foot of clearance. About 10 foot of clearance. I took a picture of the uh, oh. port engineer from Oakland holding a tape measure as he went underneath. And oh. then one of the crane manufacturer's workers from China was jumping up trying to touch the bridge. Oh. So um, uh, then they had a further ballast down because our bridge has a higher air draft. It has more clearance than the Bay Bridge, and they went under the Bay Bridge. But, you know, there's still vessels that even though you sit there and you or stand there and look down, you're up really, really high. There's still some vessels that barely fit underneath. Yeah. So I know we'll get off the the bridge for just a second here. Some of the other transportation f- uh, parts of uh, the department are: Do you have more uh, more boats now than you had, say, five years ago? Or 
Um, we've increased yeah. the size of our, our boat fleet, fleet in the last, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the last 10 years we have. Okay. Um, so we now have seven ferry boats. We carry passengers, not people. Um, we have four high-speed catamarans that we use principally for the Larkspur service. We have uh, three boats. Well, actually, we, we recycle boats also. Um, How do you do that? Um, we have three boats. vessels in our fleet that were oh, built okay. in the 1970s. They have these fabulous military-spec aluminum hulls. Uh, we call them the Spalding vessels. <laughs> and uh, we looked at replacing them. We realized that these hulls are, are pristine. They're in great shape. And so we completely gutted them, put in all new interiors. Uh, we put in you know new engines. We've repowered them many times to make them cleaner and cleaner. Mm -hmm. So we you know basically reuse the hull instead of throwing it away. That's recycling. One anecdote about that is uh, they took the vessel to the, the boatyard, and they p p peeled off the paneling from the walls, and the smell was overpowering. Uh, we forget that in 1970, a lot of people oh, smoked. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the, it was just it was it was incredibly nasty. Yeah. But so we redid those. Uh, the state of Washington had two high-speed vessels they had built. Uh, they had parked at a dock. We we're looking to buy a high-speed vessel. We found out about those. They'd only used them for a year, so we um, bought those quite cheap and put new, cleaner engines in them, and we put those in service. So we try to you know be creative with money, but also you know not to just discard things, throw them away, but see if there's a way to you know kind of like the bridge, keep it around for longer. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it, was there ever a projection? I hope. It We'll get calls in for this, but of how long the bridge can last? There were, uh, I would say, boasts okay. uh, by the you know, the original design team Boasts? by Joseph like Strauss. A you know, uh, you know. Joseph Strauss said, okay. you know, fifteen hundred years. Oh. Um, it's going to be here for a long time because we're maintaining it constantly, and we've replaced lots of pieces and parts here and there. Um, but it's kind of like that '67 Mustang. As it gets <laughs> older, it's a little more expensive to keep it running than it was the first year you bought it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good analogy. Okay. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, a lot faster to get across the bridge there. How else do you see uh, any other bridges like this being built or anywhere around the world? Are you familiar with it? Do you even care? Or, oh, no. There's uh, lots of bridges being built all the time. Oh, sure. I mean, like the Golden Gate Bridge. We were the longest bridge when, when it was okay. built, and that record lasted till they built Verrazano Narrows, and they intentionally made that 60 foot longer than Golden <laughs> Gate Bridge so they could take the record away. Yeah. But lately, there's been a lot of bridge building in Asia, in China, in Japan. So I think we're eighth or ninth now. Um, you know, today the bridge would be built differently. Um, if you look at the new Carquina suspension bridge, you know, it's smaller, but it has concrete towers. They're cheaper, more economical to build. Um, our bridge, you know, you're on the roadway, you don't realize that underneath you are all these little tinker toys, little pieces of steel. <laughs> you know, like we call them trusses on the side, yeah. stiffening trusses, and there's bracing and stuff. A modern bridge is a steel box section. It's trapezoidal shape, and it's all flat steel panels on the outside, so it's easy to maintain. Water runs off. It's easy to paint when you have to paint it, and then all the little pieces are inside the box. And so, um, you know, if it were built today, it would look different. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, there's, it, it, that's part of the reason why it's unique is you wouldn't build it that way today. And obviously the setting is just to die for. Awesome. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU 90.1 FM, Stanford. The Loop is a radio show featuring electronic music ranging from house, techno, to down tempo, and everything that's good in the underground. Each week, the show features releases, exclusive mixes, top picks, interviews, and live guest DJs from around the world. That's The Loop with Drew Deep from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday afternoons. And now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Dennis Mulligan, engineer, general manager, and CEO of the Golden Gate Bridge here in San Francisco. Uh, Dennis, are there any suggestions or recommendations that you'd have for a young and aspiring engineer or architect? Yeah, I would tell them to go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. it, it's rewarding work. You know, you get to work on things that are part of the built structures around us. So when you finish a project, whether it's a little remodeling job or a big project, you know, you can see it. It's physical. You can touch it. You can show it to your loved ones, your family, <laughs> your friends, your children. And so it's immensely rewarding. Um, and it's, it's not esoteric like many things are. So you have the opportunity to shape the built world around all of us uh, for better or for worse. And so I would encourage people that are at all interested to dive right in and don't give up. Yeah, don't look back. Awesome. And speaking of uh, kids or aspiring uh, engineers and architects, how are your kids? I mean, do you show them, hey, this is what Dad does? And Not too much. Do you bring any, temp uh, us any of the, uh, the toys home? Or? My kids are older now. They're in okay. college. Oh, uh, so oh, one's 24, there's... one's 21. You could still do that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, But, you yeah, know, I've showed them the bridge. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've talked a little bit of, uh, about it. Yeah. Um, I try to instill in them uh, a love of science, mathematics, technology, 
uh, so in, in creative thinking. Yeah. How are they? Are they just as curious as you are for uh, in this? In they're in di- they're in different fields. Sure. Uh, my son's a grad student in computer science. My daughter's a biomedical engineering major. Huh. Uh, so um, yeah, so they're yeah they're finding their own paths. Everyone should find their own path. They should find what motivates them, what interests them, what they think allows them to do something that will engage them. Yeah. And uh, you know, for me, it was you know building things, designing things. Uh, for them, it's different, and that's good. Uh, you know, you shouldn't encourage your kids to be like you. You should encourage them to be who they can be best and who they want to be. Yeah. That being said, were there ever any, were there ever any um, times in your uh, in your career, whether it's school or, or even as a professional, that you kind of thought, well, you know what, maybe I'm this, uh, this is a little challenging. I'm not sure I'm going to do this. Or has it always been, no, this is it, and I'm going for it? Uh, it's the latter. I've always, okay. you know, I've always enjoyed what I've been doing. I've always been very fortunate, very lucky in terms of the opportunities that presented themselves to me. Um, so I've enjoyed every moment of my career. Yeah. And speaking of the, every moment of your career, so when after we're done in the studio here, you go, you know, or let's say tomorrow, you go back. Are you going to see it? Is it a whole new Golden Gate Bridge. I know it's still the same bridge in the same location, but the dynamics seem to change. Every day it looks different. I mean, okay. it's the weather, the time of year, the sunlight on the Art Deco styling, the crowds that are on the bridge, the traffic on the bridge. So it's always a little different. And you know, something always pops up. You know, you think you have your day mapped out in your mind what you're going to do, and then something else happens that throws a curveball your way and you react to it. Yeah. So it sounds like you're dealing a lot with people or uh, not just people, but passengers, or I don't know. Do you call them guests on the? I know they're they're customers. Oh, customers! Yeah, they're they're See, customers. You they're, paid across our bridge okay, if so you're in customers. a car. Customers? Our sidewalks are free. <laughs> customers and passengers. So you really, uh, it's, we're, it's like we're, a hospitality. We're in the customer service business. I mean, okay. we, we maintain a bridge as part of that. We, you know, it's an icon. People come from all over the world to be there. We want them to have a good experience. When you drive across our bridge, we want you to feel safe with that movable median barrier. We want you to not have to stop with all electronic tolling. You know, we want to give you the best experience possible for those things that we control. Once you get on the streets of San Francisco, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, but you you got to get them there. Oh, you got to get them there. You got to right. get them and you make them happier before they get there. If we can. Yeah, if you can. Speaking of if you can over there, are you planning another um uh, I'm not sure what do you call it, the anniversary? Is it? No, we had yeah. one uh, about 5 years ago for the 75th. Um, okay. you can watch the uh, we yeah, did tell a, us about that Vimeo. <laughs> yeah, so we did a year-long celebration. We partnered with the Golden Gate National Parks Conservancy, a local nonprofit. They did external fundraising, and then they worked with a host of dozens of nonprofits that each celebrated the bridge in their own way during the year. So there, you know, there was a, a symphony, a Golden Gate Bridge opus. There was all these different things. Uh, the Pacific Orchid Show did their thing on the bridge. Um, so people celebrated in lots of different ways. But for the anniversary weekend, uh, we closed the bridge on the anniversary for 20 minutes, and there was this spectacular light and fireworks show, Time to Music. It was free along the northern waterfront of San Francisco. There are 70 speaker towers set up. There are 40 light towers set up. It was broadcast on a local radio station. It was a light and fireworks show, Time to Music, and you can see it on Vimeo. And uh, make sure you crank the volume uh, when really? you listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's very, very amazing. Very well done. Wow. So do, do they, uh, uh, like movies or, or uh, events like that, do they have to check with you, obviously, first? And you have to, is there a duration that you got to look at? Okay, what are you guys going to do? How are you going to do it? How long you'll be? Is there a whole process that's through you? Department or the city? If you're on the bridge, it's us. If you're off the okay. bridge, taking pictures of the bridge, knock yourself out. But if you're <laughs> on the bridge, we don't want you interfering with that customer experience. So we don't want you out there at rush hour, you know, on the sidewalks with big old cameras, you know, filming the latest horror movie with some monster <laughs> running around that's going to cause an accident. Yeah. So we uh, work with people. If you want to film on the bridge uh, for commercial purposes, we have fees. You should uh, cover our costs. The taxpayers okay. shouldn't subsidize your film, commercial <laughs> filming venture. Um, but so we have, you know, various rules. Same thing with protests. If you want to come out there spontaneously, small group, that's fine. But we don't want big signs that are going to blow out of your hand and hit someone's <laughs> windshield and cause a 10-car pileup. Yeah. And so we have rules that strike a balance between public safety and letting people enjoy the bridge, express themselves however they want. Yeah. And that being said, what type of – is it a specific asphalt that's used or a, a, a brand – I don't know, a brand or a type or uh, – the, the surface you drive on yeah. uh, was actually replaced in the 1980s, so it's not the original surface. Um, it, it was still holds a, up? 
Uh, well, yeah, it was, so it's, huh. it's been there since the 80s. It's a, what we call a steel orthotropic deck, if there's any engineers listening in. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you can Google it. Uh, <laughs> but it's a structural system that's much lighter than the original concrete deck, and on top of that is about two inches of an epoxy asphalt. Um, the sidewalks are concrete. They're precast segments, reinforced. And it's amazing because if you look at them, they're virtually crack-free. So it's a, the sidewalks are a very smooth surface. Uh, bicyclists with their skinny tires you know, yeah. enjoy that. Um, their one complaint is the sidewalks are too crowded. Oh. Uh, we encourage everyone to get along. <laughs> In the famous words of Rodney King, yeah. uh, you know we have a lot of bicyclists that uh, maybe locals that are going on training rides with their friends or their club. We have other bicyclists who are less expert users. They may be someone on vacation who hasn't been on a bike in ten years, but we want that bicyclist to enjoy it. So when they go home, they'll start biking again. You know, so we want to make sure everyone gets along. And there's lots of pedestrians out there, uh, and people on vacation sometimes act like they're at Disneyland. They're not paying attention to their surroundings or a little oblivious, and so we try to make sure that there's not too many conflicts on the sidewalks. Yeah, so you've got a lot of. It sounds like it's very. Uh, my goodness, we talked about a, like it's, hosp- it's a hospitality. I mean, you know, we're yeah. in the transportation business, yeah, but, but you know, we want the sidewalks to be workful, work for people for transportation, but also yeah. for visitors. So people tell their friends and neighbors back home to come visit San Francisco. Yeah, how do you monitor all that? That's just a lot of comings and goings, different people, different cultures and ideas, and uh, you don't have to monitor yeah. everything. Okay. You can let you can let things exist. You know, we keep you know we occasionally do counts on the sidewalks, so we have trends. We count everything on the roadway because you know that's our business, <laughs> that's our bread and butter. Um, but, you know, we, we do periodic studies about, you know, what's going on out there so we can, you know, make sure that we can do a little better tomorrow. Yeah. Have you noticed anything uh, with, with the weather um, recently with the flooding and it's just torrential? Has it changed a lot of the uh, dynamics of the uh, traffic? Well, what, what, what I notice uh, is that some people don't slow down when it's wet. And uh, those are the 10-car pileups you see on the side of the road. So I would encourage all your listeners that when it's wet out, know that uh, your tires and your braking system do not work the same as when it's dry pavement. So you really do need to slow down. You need to have a little extra space between you, the car, in front of you. If visibility is limited, be careful before you change lanes. Because for the recent bad weather, not on the bridge so much as off the bridges on the approaches, there's been some bad accidents. Uh, People try to drive fast even when it's wet out, and they don't exercise appropriate judgment sometimes. Yeah. And so it's it's a better experience for everybody if you just ease off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of ease off the gas, how do you ease off the gas? Do What else do you do for a hobby since you're in such a, almost a paradise? And so, so, you, uh, know. you know, I enjoy spending time with my family. I enjoy yeah. hiking, backpacking, uh, sailboat racing. A friend of mine's got a boat that I get to tag along on. In the bay? So, yeah. So okay. I just enjoy the outdoors. Okay. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I spend a lot of time indoors for work. And I enjoy the antithesis of that. I love going for hikes. Going for where? Any place in particular? Just any place. Yeah, okay. I, I go for at least one backpacking trip every summer in the in California. Um, but uh, I just enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. And well, we're lucky, California. I mean, it's there's nothing yeah. like it. Yeah, there really isn't. And that being said, how else do you uh, um, how do you vent off some of your frustrations if you even have any? Uh, you know, I have it a, just seems I have overwhelming a, sometimes. I have, no, it's, it's not. Uh, we have okay. a fabulous team. We've got okay. great employees. And so, you know, that's why I say, you know, my job is easy. Yeah. Uh, anyone that, you know, works with, with a team, if you have really good members of your team, uh, it picks everybody up collectively. And so I'm very fortunate that we've got an incredibly talented team at the Bridge District. Yeah. Uh, you know, from our, our bus drivers to our, our managers, our supervisors, our painters, our iron workers. You know, I think the bridge kind of brings everyone together. Okay. And it, it kind of picks people up. And so everyone that works there is proud yeah. to be part of it. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of things that might cause stress in other environments, work environments, uh, you know, people kind of, they, they, they're picked up by just being part of this you know, this special, you know, piece of infrastructure, this, you know, this symbol of our community. Yeah. That, so there is a, I like this this word because I think it's really relevant in operations, business, schools, establishments, is the culture then. Mm-hmm. There's, it sounds like there is a culture within your department. Clearly. I think I think it, it, it arises from the bridge. I think the bridge inspires all of us. And, and so I think that really helps. And so we're all inspired to do as well as those that went before us. Yeah. And uh, I think our folks look at it as, you know, how can I maintain the bridge uh, so that, you know, my kids and my grandkids are proud that I worked there? Or, you know, how can I provide first-class service? Or how can I help that despondent person on the sidewalks so they get through today and they'll live a long and uh, healthy life? Terrific. Dennis, it's been exciting and a real privilege having you here today. We really appreciate you uh, coming out and being our guest. Thank you for being being on our show and keeping one of the world's most iconic landmarks sound and beautiful. 
it's a pleasure being here, and, uh, and I welcome all your listeners to our bridge. Thank you, Jess. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Dennis Mulligan, engineer, general manager, and CEO of the Golden Gate Bridge, declared one of the wonders of the modern world by the American Society of Civil Engineers. You can find out more about the Golden Gate Bridge and Dennis at goldengatebridge.org. That's goldengatebridge.org. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. The recording engineer and production manager is Akshay Jaggi, assistant engineer McGregor Joyner, and we're all assisted by Bryce Carter. The executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. Thank you for tuning in. Listen in next week, Monday mornings at 10 a.m. for The Modern Architect. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with over 350 building product manufacturers, large and small. Modeler.com works with architects from 80% of the top 100 architecture and design firms to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for their building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for their generous underwriting of their production and the broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect.